Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Well, I hope that you're having a good day. As we begin today, we are in month eight. Right up to the cross is the name of the chapter, Thou Shalt Not Steal. It's April, and Cindy Colley has allergies. I think I'm probably talking to a lot of people who are having them as well. If I sneeze, I'm just going to go right on with this podcast. We also have workers at our house today. Our siding badly needed replacing, and we are replacing siding on our house as we speak. I have workmen on the front and on the back, and you probably will hear them at points during this podcast. You might hear hammers, you might hear something that sounds like a drill at the dentist office. If you're too weak of heart to stomach all of that, you might want to turn me off right now because you probably will hear that. I'm going a little nuts, as you might can tell. We have some company coming today. We have uh, folks in the cabin and in the house, and we are excited about them. But this is one of those times when I'm just going to get real, real. I don't, I love you a lot, but I don't love you enough to get dressed and go to a quiet place to do this podcast. So you may hear noises in the background, but that's okay. We are talking about the eighth command, thou shalt not steal. And as you began this chapter, you looked and maybe you had time to think about the fact that all of us likely are in some degree or in some way guilty of the infraction of this command in our lives. Let's go ahead and say, first of all, that we are not under the Ten Commandments per se in Christianity today. Of course, all of the old law was nailed to the cross. But the command, thou shalt not steal, is obviously in our New Testaments in many, many, many places and is a part of the eternal, always law of our God. So I want to take just a minute today to be in 1 Samuel chapter 25 and to notice from that chapter something that has become obvious to me as I've thought about it in the last few days. Very recently, I was speaking to a man who was not a New Testament New Testament Christian, and I was encouraging him to be baptized for the remission of his sins, as is abundantly taught in our New Testament. And he said this to me. He said, Cindy, I know that I am okay with God. And I said, well, how would you know that if you haven't obeyed what he has asked you to do for salvation? in the New Testament, and he said, I know that I am okay with God because of his amazing, abundant blessings on me. Why would God bless me so richly if I was in opposition to his will, if I was not a saved person? Well, I think as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 25, we see some principles that are very important to someone who would think about the gospel being uh, some sort, the salvation being some sort of social approval of God in this lifetime. We cannot equate salvation with 
our prosperity in this lifetime. We're talking about Nabal here, and I just want us to notice really quickly, and this stick a bit will be yours, that we, uh, I ask you in the lesson to go ahead and note some of the ways that we know that Nabal was a man of means. Well, we find that in verse two, that he was very rich and had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. So we know that he was a rich man because the Bible clearly just states that outright. And then we read in verse 3 that he was harsh and badly behaved. In verse 17, we read that his servants even said that he was a worthless man so that no one can even speak to him. You know people who are like that. You're afraid to talk to them because you're afraid of what they will do with their tempers. In verse 21, we read that he returned evil for good. In verse 25, he is termed a worthless fellow. In verse 36, we find that he was very drunk. And in verse 39, we find that he was insulting and evil. We simply cannot say, look how blessed I am, so God must be pleased with me. And Nabal, as well as many others in the Bible, are great examples of this. We must understand that this world in which we live is a testing ground. And sometimes the test is how we handle material blessings. We must also understand that there is a final avenging, a final avenging. And we see that also in this chapter. David said to Abigail, you remember when she fell before him and pled with him not to destroy all the males of her household, as that is what he intended to do. David said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, which sent thee this day to me. And of course, that was David praising God for providence. There was nothing miraculous about her coming to him, but it was God's providence and David ascribed glory to God for his providence and blessed be your advice and blessed be thou which has kept me this day from coming to, to blood guiltiness and from avenging myself with mine own hand for in very deed as the Lord God of Israel lives who has kept me back from hurting you except you had come to meet me Surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any male, so much as any one man-child. So David received of her hand that which she had brought him, and said to her, Go up in peace to your house. See, I have hearkened to your voice, and I have accepted your person. And Abigail came to Nabal, and behold, he held a feast in his house like the feast of a king, and Nabal's heart was merry within him, for he was very drunken. Wherefore, she told him nothing less or more until the morning light. But it came to pass in the morning when the wine was gone out of Nabal, when he was having his hangover, and his wife had told him these things, that his heart died within him, and he became as a stone. So we don't know exactly what that means, but he probably was paralyzed all over his body. 
And it came to pass about 10 days after that the Lord smote Nabal that he died. So once again, we have the providence of God here in Nabal's death. I love how that um, 1 Samuel 25 just has God's providence all over it. And when David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Blessed be the Lord that hath pleaded the cause of my reproach from the hand of Nabal, and hath kept his servant from evil, for the Lord has returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own head. And David sent and communed with Abigail to take her to him to wife. I love this right here. God has kept his servant from evil and returned the wickedness of Nabal. We have an example here of what we read about in Romans 12. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. We cannot say in this lifetime, look how materially blessed I am. I must be pleasing to God because we see an example of a man who was extremely materially blessed. But yet the vengeance of God was waiting. The vengeance of God wasn't ready during this testing ground that Nabal was going through and failing during his lifetime. But in death, God here says he returned the wickedness of Nabal upon his own, own head. And when the servants, verse 40, of David were come to Abigail to Carmel, they spoke to her, David sent us to thee to take thee to him to wife. And she arose and bowed herself on her face to the earth and said, let thine handmaid be a servant to wash the feet of the servants of my Lord. So we, we find the, the very sweet ending of the story in 1 Samuel 25. But the final avenging, and that word there means wrangling, the word that we have for vengeance in 1 Samuel chapter 26, is wrangling, contending, thoroughly striving a thorough striving. So God is saving his wrangling, his contending, his thorough striving for another day. We cannot depend on our material blessings for our spiritual sustenance, but we also cannot depend on them for alleging that God must be pleased with us. I think I'm gonna go back to my friend to whom I was talking and say, let's look at Nabal and let's read 1 Samuel 25 and see if we can still contend at the end of a study of 1 Samuel 25. Look how God has blessed me. I must be right in his eyes. If we really look at 1 Samuel 25, it has a lot to say about the social gospel as a whole, about how that making people's lives better physically is not the be-all, end-all as some churches today profess. We just do so much good that it's okay if we depart from God's Word a little bit. It's okay if we manipulate God's Word a little bit to fit our culture as long as we are in the overall scheme of things doing so much physical good for the communities around us. That's not what God's gospel is about. This life is so minute, so 
um, it, it is so insignificant when we compare it to the eternal riches that God has prepared for his people and the final wrangling, the final contention, the thorough striving that he has reserved for those people who disobey him in this lifetime, even though they may be materially blessed in this lifetime. Just something to think about as we think about Nabal in 1 Samuel 25. I hope that you were able to bear with the noises that you're probably still hearing all around me. Let's pray for each other that we will soon be through this season of COVID, of amazing unrest in our country, and less significantly of the allergies that come with April. Hope you have a great day.